Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. We are in our fourth week of our series on praying with the Apostle Paul. Today I want to I want to illustrate what Paul has been praying for us and what Paul is teaching us to pray through a story. Uh, When I was 10 or 11 years old, my community was utterly devastated by a hurricane. It it affected our community in such a way there was no power. Stores were destroyed or closed down. There was limited food and resources. And this went on for weeks. But the worst of the whole thing was there was no water. Uh, water was, had been contaminated. Uh, there was no safe water. Until we found that there was this, in our whole community, there was one source of water. There was only one place where water was free, where it was pure, and it was safe. And so I remember as a kid, my mom finding out about this, I was one of five kids, so all seven of our whole family took every container we could find in the house. And we went to that, to that spot where there was kind of, it was almost like a, you know, a, a, you know a, what do you call those things? Almost like a fire hydrant type thing. And we, we took every container we had. My mom was a hoarder of containers. And so we had milk jugs, we had, you know, we had everything, and we filled it up with that water. And that saved our family. It was free, it was pure, and it was sweet. It tasted really good. Now, if we had gone there with just a cup, we could have quenched our thirst that day. But we would not have had water to cook with or clean with or even to drink for the rest of the days. So the issue wasn't that the source was insufficient. The issue was, how much container did we have? How much were we able to contain? Now, I tell you that story because what's happening in our lives, and we may not want to recognize this, but God is stripping away every other convenience. He's stripping away all of our comfort and our routine. And he's saying there's only one source of living water, only one source that's pure and free and sweet. And the issue isn't whether there's enough water. The issue is what kind of container are you bringing to the fountain? What's happening is many of us have never learned to increase our capacity. And so what Paul is talking about in all these prayers that we've been studying together is he's not praying that the love of God will increase because the love of God is sufficient. He's saying that you will increase in your capacity to receive and that your heart will be strengthened so that not only do you receive it, but you're sustained by it. This is the heart of the prayers that Paul's praying. And so what's really happening and what many of us are struggling with is we'd rather say he needs to give us more Instead of recognizing, no, I need to increase. I need to get rid of the things in my life that take up my emotional capacity so there's no space 
for the pure, free, and sweet water of God. And I need to be strengthened in my heart that it doesn't spill out when he pours it into my life. That I need more than a cup to drink today. I need a container so I can drink every day. All right, that was really good and you're just sitting there. (laughs) Are you hearing me? You understand, this is why this... This is why this prayer series is so important. It's so important because God is stripping away every other source. And he's saying, will you learn to come and bring a container that I can fill? That's why Paul says, increase your heart, enlarge your heart. That's why he says, strengthen your heart. Guess what he says will be the evidence of an enlarged and strengthened heart? He says, endurance. Well, isn't that just great? Because the only time you know you have endurance is when you have to endure something. Right? Then he says, the other evidence that your container is enlarged and strengthened is your patient. Probably most of you, your patience has seen somewhat of a limitation. But the Apostle Paul says that when your patience is at its limit... It's because your container is empty. That your love has either drained out of your weakened heart or your capacity was not enough to sustain you for the situation you find yourself in or for the person that you are dealing with. So you can always blame everybody else for your impatience, but the Bible says your impatience shows a weakened heart. A heart that's not filled with the fountain of love. And so a lot of us, you see, we could grow in this in such a deep way because we begin to get right with this whole idea. It's about me increasing my heart. It's about me strengthening my heart. See, isn't it interesting that many times what God is using to increase you and what God is using to strengthen you is the very thing you ask him to take away from you. So just as he's making your container stronger and more exhaustive, you're saying, that's enough. I don't want any more. Guess what? We're going to have more. And so the question is, will you take advantage of this time? Will you increase? Will you go through this time and be strengthened? Or will you close down and not drink of this pure, free sweet water. So what we learn as we look at Paul's prayers is how to do that. The one we're looking at this week, and we look at it every day from Monday through Friday as well as on Sundays, we're looking at his prayer for the Colossians. I like it when you read scripture with me. So would you read this out loud with me? For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father 
who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Today, I want to focus as we unpack this prayer together on, on and I'd like you to remember these three A's. We're not going to, we'll go over them in some ways throughout this message, but I'd really like you to get this idea. When it comes to prayer, you have authority. Authority means you have permission. And what kind of permission do you have? Well, you have access to the very throne of God. And when you exercise your authority and you enter in by your access, you will always have answers. Okay, so you say this with me. Authority, that's your permission. Okay, access, that's how close you can get. And then answers. See, what I'm trying to get you to do in this series is to recognize that up to this point, you have not fully seen the extent of your authority because you have not taken advantage of your full access. And until you do that, you will not see the answers that you long to see. Paul exercised authority in prayer. He utilized his full access to the Father, and he saw answers. These answers that that are so amazing, we're still studying today. I would love it if the prayers you pray during COVID-19 become prayers people pray for 2,000 years. Because that's the prayers that Paul prayed. Many of our prayers, we don't even want to pray tomorrow, but, but his prayers actually have lasted almost 2,000 years, and the answers are still coming. So you have the same authority, you have the same access. It's time that you start getting the same answers. And so as we look at, are you tracking with me today? I can't tell too much. Maybe you're hiding behind the mask there a little bit. All right. Uh, I'm going to step on your toes all day. Because I have never been so convicted about my prayer life as I have during this series. This particular message today, there are simple things here that have transformed the way I pray now. And I felt like I had gotten some handle on prayer over the last 23 years. And now really looking at Paul closely, I am very convicted and I want to go deeper with him. And I'm willing to be corrected and I'm asking that you would be willing to be corrected so that you can have the transformative answers that are waiting for you. So as we look at this, the way I want you to understand this is you grow in access, you grow in your authority as you couple your prayer life to your scripture reading. That the authority that you have in prayer doesn't come from any personal authority. It comes because you are increasing in your knowledge and your commitment to the Word of God. When you pray the Word of God, you're praying God's will already. I learned this when I was first starting out. When I was just 19 years old, I, I began to make this commitment to the Lord that every night I would spend an hour in His Word. Not just devotionally, but I would spend it studying His Word. So I took my Bible, I had a Bible dictionary, and I had a notebook. And I studied through the Sermon on the Mount, day by day, passage by passage. I looked up words, even if I thought I knew what they meant, I wanted to know what the Bible meant by the words. 
As I did that, I began to get incredible insights into what Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. It was as if he was speaking directly to me and it was affecting me. And I just wrote and I wrote. But here's what I learned as I did that. Is I couldn't read God's word and study God's word and not process God's word in my heart. That I couldn't just say, isn't that a nice insight? I had to then take the truth of that insight, compare it to my life, and then change my life according to his word instead of trying to change his word according to my life. And I began to have this prayer time with the Lord that was, I would call it now, in his presence by his word. And then this strange opportunity came where I got the opportunity to teach about 50 college students over the summer of my sophomore year, still 19 years old, teach these college students at this uh, project that I was a part of. And all I had was this teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. So every, every week I taught them from my notes on the Sermon on the Mount. This 50 or so college students told me that I, my teaching transformed their lives. But one of the things that I found out is I couldn't teach it if I hadn't lived it. And I couldn't live it if I hadn't prayed it. It had to go deep within me, dig a well in me, get rid of stuff in me, and then I could teach it. And I couldn't teach it without talking about, honestly, my weaknesses and my brokenness and all of these things. And I've never had any doubt that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life was to teach God's word. But you think about it. I was 19 years old. I had no personal authority. I had no great skill. But what I had was I had submitted myself to the authority of his word. And his authority came through as I taught. What I'm trying to say to you is if you're just going to try to have a prayer life apart from his word, you'll have no authority. And if you have no authority, then you're losing your access. And if you've lost your access, you lose your answers. Gosh, I can't say that better than that. Come on. <laughs> Is it sticking with you a little bit? Okay, so here's the deal. When you study God's word, there are two focuses that you need in order to improve and increase your heart. Strengthening and increasing your heart. There's a general focus and there's a narrow focus, okay? So the general focus is this. When you come to the word of God, you are always looking to know God better. The more effective you are at having an exhaustive and accurate theology, the more effective your prayers will be. If you have a wrong view of God, you'll have a horrible prayer life. But at the same time, there are people who know a lot about God, but they have horrible prayer lives. So it is a both, it is a both direction. The more I know about God, the more it should increase my prayer effectiveness. But the more I increase my prayer effectiveness, the more I will know about God. I have a professor who's a brilliant professor in seminary, but I never listened to anything he ever had to say about prayer because it was useless. He had brilliant teaching on the holiness of God. He had unbelievable teaching on the character of God. But when he would talk about prayer, it would make no sense. 
And it felt like he spent all his time studying God and not much of his time really intimate with God. And so what we need is both, friends. And I've heard people when they pray, I'm like, that's not even God of the Bible. And they're praying. See, the problem with a lot of us is we think we're really doing something when we're praying. God, you should bless me. Most people don't pray. At least I pray. And what I'm trying to say to you is if prayer is not done in the way that God prescribes, then you're not praying to God. You understand Jesus teaches a whole lot about prayer, friends. And a whole lot of it is basically, here's my father. Here's how you approach him. And here's how he answers you. So there has to be this growing influence in your life that says, I'm learning more and more about my God so that when I talk to him, I know who I'm talking to. And the more I talk to him, the more I know him. Is that tracking with you? So the second focus gets a lot more narrow now. So now the big picture is you need to know your God. And then your prayers need to reflect your knowledge of God. But the second thing is this. And this really increases your heart and strengthens your heart. Is when you go and you look at specific prayers in scripture. If you go to Moses... You're going to learn how to argue with God. Moses knew how to intercede. He knew how to put an argument together before God. If you go and you learn how to pray with David, you're going to sing. You're going to sing psalms of praise. You're going to sing songs of lament. You're going to sing songs of victory. And you're going to sing songs where you're desperate that God would come and protect you and provide for you. But you're going to sing if you pray with David. But here's what I was talking about. If you learn to pray like the Lord Jesus teaches you to pray, there's so many ways that you will not pray ever again. Think about this, friend. People pray the Lord's Prayer before a football game. That makes no sense whatsoever. (laughs) That is actually a violation of the very thing that Jesus said that the prayer was to be used for. And any of you who just rattle off the Lord's Prayer again and again, quickly and quickly, you're basically doing what Jesus said, the Father will never hear. So what happens is people learn the Lord's Prayer as what to pray instead of how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is not a what to pray prayer, it's how you approach prayer. And Jesus said, if you babble and you think by saying it a bunch of times and saying it fast, you're going to get a hearing. He says, you never will. But you say to me, but isn't God just so happy that we're praying? No. Because either you approach him as God, the way Jesus has revealed him, or your prayers are not going to get anywhere. This is how your heart increases. It begins to say, how do I approach you? Friends, a lot of us are stuck at still saying the same prayers we said when we were kids. You know, now I lay me down to sleep is not going to change the world. Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat, not going to change the world. Over the teeth, no, I'm not going to say another one. You understand what I'm saying? So much of what we need are answers that don't come from bedtime nursery rhymes. 
They only come from people who will go deep enough with God to say, increase my capacity. If you don't know that you need water, then you don't need to pray. But if you know you need the water and you know it needs to be free and you know it needs to be pure and you know it needs to be sweet, then you need a container that can contain it. And the only way to do that is to begin to have your prayer life shaped by the scriptures. That's why we're looking at the Apostle Paul, because we want to learn how to pray like Paul prayed. And we're willing to go after this for eight weeks. This is our fourth week of going after it. I have never been so convicted in my prayer life as I begin to see what Paul says about prayer. I thought I'd gotten somewhere in 23 years of being committed to prayer. And I'm looking at Paul and I'm like, Lord, you are really, you are really rebuilding my container. Here's the thing too, friends. We didn't just go to that place of the water. It was at the power company in our community. We didn't just go there once. We went there every time it was empty. You understand? We didn't, when it was empty, go, well, guess that's it. No, we were desperate. We needed to drink water. We needed to be clean. We needed to be able to cook. So when it was empty, mom put us all in the station wagon. We carried all those containers. We waited in line with all those other people. And we got our water. And we went home. And we did it every time we were empty. Please, we're pretty empty. And there's a, there's a plentiful supply. But we're really waiting on you. Because God has the supply. Do you have the container? And are you taking it to the place of the supply? So what's keeping us? Well, here's a very convicting statistic. About 80 or 90% of everything we ask God for has to do with good health, recovery from illness, safety on the road, a good job, success in exams, the emotional needs of our children, success in our mortgage application or any application, and much more of those same kind of things. Here's the question. If 80 to 90% of what you're praying for is not what Paul was praying for, do you see the problem? See, how much of Paul's praying revolves around the same things? If the center of our praying is so far removed from the center of Paul's praying, is there not a problem then? Either we're not at the right well or we don't have the right containers. This is important that you get this today. It could be that most of us have never been taught this. But the plan of Jesus Christ was not for you to work harder. It was for you to pray more. The reason is this. This is a great quote. Christ actually meant prayer to be the great power by which his church should do its work. And that the neglect of prayer is the great reason the church has not experienced greater power. Christ waits to fit us up by his spirit to pray. Let that sink in. There are many of us in this room have had some amazing experiences with the Holy Spirit, and he wants to give you even more amazing experiences. But the purpose of those experiences is not just so you'll feel good, or even that you'll feel empowered 
to be a stronger Christian or whatever it is. The purpose of his fitting you and equipping you is so that you will pray. How do I know that? Well, because right now Jesus is interceding. So it must be the most important work that's going on right now. Right now, where you are, the Holy Spirit is interceding in your spirit. So if the spirit is committed to prayer and the son is committed to prayer, then when the spirit fills you, he's filling you to be committed to prayer. Because the purpose of Jesus or the way Jesus wants to accomplish his mission through you is spiritual, not just physical. And you cannot accomplish in the physical realm what he wants to do without accessing all the spiritual blessings that he has put to your account. Do you understand what Paul says about your account? Is you have been blessed. In other words, your account has been credited with every spiritual blessing. What that means is every source that you need to change this physical reality is waiting on your account. It wasn't put there by you. It was put there for you by Jesus. But it has to be accessed. If I could put $2 million into your account, whatever account or bank you use, and I gave you a card and said, all you have to do is go to the ATM and draw out your $2 million as you need it. I guarantee you, you would do it. Although you probably wouldn't believe I put the $2 million in your account. <laughs> but if you knew, if you verified, there's millions of dollars in my account. You would not, you could not possibly live your life saying, well, I hope it comes to me someday. You would go to whatever banking outlet in whatever way and you would get access and you would begin living off those resources. But for some reason, we Christians who have every spiritual blessing, who have all the riches of God, will not access that because we will not pray. That's what this is meaning. But see, it's more than just you praying for yourself. It's you having the capacity, having the space, the margin in your life that you are so full yourself that you can then care about other people's needs. And what, what Jesus is doing, Jesus isn't praying for Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not praying for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is praying for others. Jesus is praying for others. Intercession is the work of Jesus, and intercession is to be the work of the church. This is distinguished from just praying for ourselves. Never, never confuse me, though. I believe you should pray for yourself. Matter of fact, I pray for you that you pray for yourself. But when it gets good, friends is when your cup is overflowing and you pray for others. And you take all your resources, then you take all your authority, and you bring others by prayer under your covering. You see, that's what Paul was doing in Colossae. That's what he was doing for this church. He was bringing his blessings over that church and bringing them under his blessings. He was accessing his account for their account.
that's when it gets good. That's when the church is the church. Is when we begin to extend our authority and our access so that there are answers for others who may not even be a part of our church. Are you hearing me? Because I feel kind of emotional about this. I feel a little vulnerable up here with you all all masked up and everything. (laughs) Can you hear my heart in this? I feel like we missed this. We've missed that the church is supposed to be this this glorious organization that knows how to access our resources, but not only fills our containers so that we drink, but fills our containers so others can drink. Not only do I get answers for myself, but I get answers for others. Murray, uh, Andrew Murray, talks about this in a book called The Ministry of Intercession. And he said it this way, he says, in intercession, our king upon the throne finds his highest glory. You understand the exalted Jesus right now says intercession is his highest glory. When you join him in that intercession, you find your highest glory. If Jesus thinks his highest glory is to intercede, when you intercede, you're joining him and now it's your highest glory. Isn't that so different from the way many of us feel about prayer? Prayer is a duty. Prayer is an obligation, it's a drudgery, something we try to get through, we get a list, schedule ourselves in some way, but we don't have the sense like Jesus did that this is my highest glory, that I can, by my petitions, bring the power of God into this physical realm and see changes happen because I know how to access that spiritual account. And I know how to plant seeds in the spiritual realm, water them with my tears, and see the increase in the physical realm. Let me put it one other way before I move on. Our problem is that we trust in our own work. We think if we have diligence, if we put enough effort, if we organize. But the problem is the presence and power are not seen just because we organize. Just because we work harder doesn't mean we work in the presence of God. Here's what you find is God can do in a few minutes what you can't do in a lifetime. Plus, what you can do and what you actually have control over physically is never enough to accomplish what you need to accomplish with your life. The only resource that's going to accomplish what you long for is spiritual. And, and you are, in a way, the channel through which God wants to take the spiritual blessing and make them physical blessings. But you and I, the church, are cutting off that access because we say, Lord, I'm going to control this myself. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to organize this. Isn't it strange that the Lord Jesus Christ, the most powerful human being that's ever lived, said, I do nothing of my own initiative. I only do what I see the Father doing. And I only say what I I have from the Father to say. It's interesting, he he spoke to us on the same note when he said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, how in the world, friends, can you seek the kingdom of God without a prayer life? You can't. It's a spiritual kingdom. It has to be accessed spiritually. 
If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, how in the world are you ever going to have the righteousness to have this kind of access to all the resources of God unless you have accessed by faith the righteousness of Christ and have become as righteous as Christ to the Father because of the righteousness of Christ? There's no other way than spiritual. So here we are, generally, when it comes to prayer, we say, here's what I'm going to do, God, bless it. Okay, this is, you know, this is, this is how I'm going to live. This is what I'm going to, how I'm going to behave, how I'm going to do that. And then sometimes we say, please don't let me get caught. Particularly when we're speeding and we see a state patrol person. <laughs> so if I'm going to increase my heart, if I'm going to strengthen my heart, then I'm going to have to learn how to pray like Paul prayed. So there's two ways in this passage that I read to you, there's two ways that I'd like you to think about. The first is this. You cannot have an effective prayer unless you set up the prayer well. So the context or the setup of every prayer you pray needs to be thoughtful. Let me, uh, here's an image that I want you to understand. What is the highest, if you were a lawyer, what would be the highest honor that you could receive as a lawyer? It would be invited to argue your case before the Supreme Court. That would be the highest honor that you had been elevated to the place that your argument or whatever you're doing, you now present to the Supreme Court. Do you understand the access you have is to the Supreme Court of Heaven? And every time you pray, you are arguing before the King of Kings and the righteous judge of all. And so when you come to him in these half-hearted ways and these, the, this sense of you, you're not even thinking of the context of how you pray or the setting of how you pray, Paul was always thinking of how he approached even as he prepared his petitions. He came as a lawyer would come to the Supreme Court having thought through his argument, having thought through his request. But he knew even better than a lawyer before the Supreme Court, I'm arguing before the King of Heaven. I'm arguing before the throne of grace. Now, God is an incredibly merciful Father, and he does put up with a lot of stupid praying. <laughs> but if you really want to change the world, if you really want to bring spiritual blessings into the physical realm, then it can't be childish behavior that does it. It has to be somebody who says, I've got to understand how to do this. And Paul knew how to do it. Listen what happened. So there was that Colossian church. They had been started and founded by a disciple, a possible disciple of Paul. There was an incredible season in Ephesus where Paul, for about two or three years, just saw signs and wonders and saw the entire region turn out to listen to the gospel. It was an incredible experience. And there was a man by the name of Epaphras who was won to the Lord by Paul's ministry. But he got a call on his life to go back to his hometown of Colossae and he began to start his own church. Now, think about it. He's not Paul. He was one to the Lord by Paul. He probably got trained some by Paul, but he'd never been a pastor before. And now he's in Colossae, which is an incredibly oppressive, dark, philosophically very hostile, and theologically incredibly hostile to the gospel. And here's Epaphras. 
And he's trying in this darkness to be a light. And he raises up a church. The Lord gives him, you know, grace to raise up a church. But people begin to attack these Christians. And they attack them in a very specific way, philosophically. And they say, how can it be that there's just one God? And how can it be that you would give your life to follow this Jesus? That is so unsophisticated, so primitive. And they were coming after Christ and saying, Christ is not enough. Christ is not sufficient. And so Epaphras got a little burnt out, it seems. He goes and he finds Paul. And he's hurting. And he's telling about this Colossian church. Paul never visited that church. But the minute he heard about it, he made them a part of his prayer life. Please, friends, don't pray about things you don't care about. There are so many people who think, well, if I just pray, that's enough. No. Learn from Paul. If you don't care about it, don't pray about it. But if you care about it, then commit yourself to it. Be somebody who will go to the water source for those people. I love... No, I don't. I'm going to say it a different way. Uh, I really get upset when people have no other answer to fix my problems and they say, well, I'll pray about it because I know they're not going to. Because they realize, oh, I'm uncomfortable with your emotion right now or I'm uncomfortable with your situation right now. So let me just say something spiritual so I can exit this situation as quickly and quietly as possible. <laughs> or to go to... I love to blow up prayer meetings, friends. I really do because I hate prayer meetings that are that are a waste of time. But they go to a prayer meeting, and you know people, they're not in touch with the Lord. They're not realizing they're before the throne of grace. They're not realizing they're before the very court of heaven, and they're thinking, well, I need to sound like I know how to pray. Or, you know, I need to have something to pray. So you could have that guys have any prayer requests? Well, my aunt's um, friend who has a friend, his car's not really working right now. And you're like, shut up. Who cares? Now, you see, I may be just really making you mad at me right now, but I am trying to blow up your view of prayer. If you don't care, don't pray. Don't fake it. What the Apostle Paul does here is he prays. He prays because he cares. Because he gets emotionally involved. You understand, if you're not going to be an emotionally involved in your prayer, it will not go any higher. And so what we have to do is begin to get honest about what we care about. And what we pray for has to be what we care about. Or your heart will not increase and your heart will not be strengthened. And so what are you tracking with me in this? Let me show you what I mean. Look at what he says. I pray unceasingly. In other words, verse 9 says, we have not stopped praying for you. Again, I think about that, those days without water. When we ran out of water, we didn't go, well, let's just die. We said, we know where the source is. We have some containers. Let's go back. Even if we have to wait, even if it takes longer than we want, we're going to go because we know where the water is. You understand? That's what Paul is saying. I know where the water is. I know where the source is. I will use my container to spill over into their lives. 
But that's only if you care. That's only if it matters to you. And don't get me wrong, it isn't that he's saying he prays every minute for them. But what he's saying is, is he lived his life in a spirit of prayer. He was open to what the spirit was praying at all times. And the Colossians were on his heart. But it's not only that, he had set times for prayer. See, if you don't schedule to pray, you won't pray. And so it is both that you live in a kind of spirit of, Lord, you can speak to me anytime. Lord, you can nudge me. Lord, you can prompt me. But you also need these scheduled times. And Paul had scheduled and set times. And when he prayed, he prayed for the Colossians. And he prayed with passion. And he didn't stop. Are you tracking with me on this? Why is that so important? Because understand, God has appropriated God has appointed that the appropriation of the provisions come through prayer. Again, I go back to my illustration last week. (laughs) If you have a field, the field has potential. It has potential for flowers or vegetables. It has potential for fruit. It has all kind of potential, but nothing happens till the seed is planted. Is God less glorified? No, God is glorified because he gets the increase. But God has asked you to join in his work by planting the spiritual seeds, by watering them, by weeding. And then he gives you the increase. Do you understand again, please? I don't know if I can make it as clear as I'd like to. There is stored up in an account for you blessings beyond description. And we're living like paupers. We're living like beggars when we could live as sons and daughters of the king. But you have to begin to value the source of the blessing and you have to value how you access the blessing because you have permission to access it. That's where your answers come from. That's why he prayed constantly. Now, all right, I know I've worn you out, but I need you to get this last one, okay? And I... I will tell you, I have so many more notes. I have an hour's worth more. Okay? So what I do is every morning at 9 o'clock, I unpack a little bit more of this. Okay? If you can join me, you'll get the rest of it. But this is where I don't want you to miss this part, even though Jerry's sneaking over to the piano right now. So this blew my mind. It's so simple. It's so simple, but it's so profound. Paul, if you listen to all of his prayers, and the Colossian prayer is one where you see it again, Paul always looks for where he sees God already at work. And then he prays for more of that. You see, when he he starts a prayer, he says, I thank God for your faith. I thank God for your love. I thank God that you're abounding more and more in these things. You understand what he's saying? He looks before he prays. And he sees what God is already doing because he says, if I can see what God is already doing, then God will do more of it. You understand the difference? Most of us, what we do is we look and see where we don't have and we start praying, oh God, I need this. I need a job. I need this. I need a relationship. I need, you know, I need my health. I need all this. You see, what Paul does is Paul prays from the fountain. So there's always a continual supply for Paul. You and I pray from the desert. 
We pray from the place of unbelief. We pray from the place of saying, I'm asking this, but I don't really believe you're going to do it. I really need you to do it, but I'm not really sure you're going to do it. Do you understand how you set up the prayer will bring the answers to the prayer? So the first thing you do is you look in your life or you look in the lives of those you're praying for and you say, where do I see God at work? And then that raises up the level of your faith. And then you look and you say, God, where you're at work, you're, that's your will. So I'm going to pray for more of that. Let me give you a, a simple but quick way that we've used that. I really, I love seeing people healed by the power of prayer, by the, by the presence of the Lord. And so a lot of times we've had people come forward and say, hey, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain or I have this issue or that issue. So we begin to pray. And a lot of times, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I've heard enough doctor language. So I go, well, tell me on a scale of one to 10, what's your pain level? Okay, I almost, if it's pain that's issue, I always ask, what's your pain level? And so they'll say, well, you know, it's an eight or a nine or whatever it might be. And so I begin to pray and I pray what I know to pray, what I hear to pray. And then I ask another question. I go, okay, where's your pain level now? And they said, I don't know how this happened, but it's about a five now. It's gone from an eight to a five. Now, your temptation, when you see that, your temptation would be to say, thank you, God, you moved their pain from eight to five. That's a miracle. Well, here's how Paul prayed. Oh, God, thank you for moving from eight to five. Now, that means you're at work right there. So I can pray for more. I can pray that it goes from five to zero. Are you hearing me? But you have to understand Paul's approach to prayer so that you will have the confidence to pray that way. Because a lot of times when we're praying for big answers, big questions, we feel like our own foolishness or our own wisdom is on the line instead of recognizing the only thing that matters is the pain of that person. So when you focus on the pain of the person, then you're asking God, what do you want to do? And if God starts moving the pain from eight to five, you know he's moving. So you stay with it and you say, thank you, God, for moving from eight to five. But now we want it to zero. Are you hearing me? You understand this is a new way for many of us to pray. Many of us, we're always just praying about what we don't see. And so then we get unbelieving, we get frustrated, we get angry, we say prayer doesn't work. But if you'll start from the place where God's already working, he's saying, this is my invitation, join me. I'm showing you there's success here. I'm showing you there's blessing here. Come on, join me. Will you join him? See, I'm, I'm saying to you today, the Lord is doing everything right now so you'll increase in your capacity. He's doing everything right now so you'll strengthen so that what he's giving you, you're not going to lose it, but you're going to start covering others with it. Ashley's going to lead us in prayer. Are you hearing me? was talking about having this spiritual bank account, I want 
to spend my prayers the way that I spend my money. I want to access that money and use it to bring the kingdom. I want to be in the position to know the resources that I have so that I can use it to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Would you stand with me as we pray into this, to pray for a greater capacity, to hold all of the things that the Father has gifted to us, that he has given to us, Would you just open up your hands to receive this morning? Father, I want a greater capacity. I want a greater understanding of the spiritual bank account that I have. I want to use the resources that you have given me to bring your kingdom to earth. Father, would you strengthen our hearts? Would you show us how to increase our capacity? Would you show us where you are working so that we can pray into the more? I thank you for the relationship that you want to have with us, that you want us to partner with you to bring your kingdom to this earth. I thank you that you have given us the resources to do this. And so I ask that you would now give us the ability to step into all that you have called us to step into. Father, strengthen our hearts. Increase our capacity. We want to learn to pray to bring your kingdom to this earth because we need you. Give us eyes to see where you're working so that we can pray into the more. We bless your name, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you all for worshiping with us this morning. If you've streamed our services online, thank you so much for joining us today. A few quick things before you go. We thank you so much for partnering with us with your resources. If you came prepared to give today, there's an offering box you can give on your way out. You can also give online by visiting risenking.life. Um, I'm going to ask that as we exit, we exit through these side doors. If you're a parent that has children downstairs, I'm going to ask that you just hold for a minute while we release our overflow seating so that we don't have two-way traffic on the stairs. If you would just pause for a few minutes. Uh, we'll let you know when it's okay to go downstairs and grab your kiddos. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.